Today we'll be discussing Hollywood A-lister Brad Pitt, and we'll be discussing his diagnosis of prosopagnosia. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Uh, not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today, we'll be discussing the career of actor Brad Pitt, and we'll be discussing his diagnosis of prosopagnosia. <laughs> we, should, we should start with some apologies to our listeners. The hard P in Pitt and the T and the, I don't know, four P's in proposagnosia. That's not how it's pronounced. I will give it the respect it's due momentarily. Uh, it might be a little rough on the ears. Uh, so so that's just, that's the territory we're in. We apologize. Buckle up. <laughs> that's not an apology. Okay, Ali, let's get started. We're going to talk about Brad Pitt. Yeah, we are. <laughs> now I'm like overly pronouncing his the B and the P in his name. Uh, you know, Brad Pitt, great actor. Did you know, Ali, he is 58 years old? It's unbelievable. It's insane. It's unbelievable. I mean, he has a, a picture in a closet somewhere that's aging while he is uh, looking like more buff than ever. That guy, he, you know, great actor. And of course, you know, this ties in. We're going to talk about his diagnosis, or it's kind of a self diagnosis. We'll talk about that in a bit. But just want to kind of get your thoughts on Brad Pitt. A couple of things you maybe didn't know about him, Ali, from uh, Oklahoma originally. Then he went to the University of Missouri, then moved to LA. He was an early guest star on two shows that I loved growing up Growing Pains. And 21 Jump Street. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say um, uh, Days of Our Lives. Uh, actually, it was Another World and Dallas. Another World. And I yes, was like, really, yes. Asif? I did not know that about you. But the other two I did know about you. Yeah. And I don't remember him from those at all. And I actually did not know that. Me neither. I'm going to try and find them on YouTube later, see if you can find the clips that mm -hmm. he was on. I'd love to see those. But when was what was your first exposure to him? When was that? Well, I think, you know, because I didn't watch these things in order, but as far as I know, uh, it, was, uh, it was True Romance. And he has a very right. small role, but it was super memorable. He's just... I'm surprised that you don't go to IMDb and see Brad Pitt as... Uh, couch stoner. Like, he didn't even na need a name yeah. or anything. Like, yeah. he was just the stoner yeah. on the couch who was kind of overstaying his welcome uh, at, at somebody's apartment. To me, that was one of those, you know, I didn't know the saying at the time, but there's that saying that there are no... Um, there are no small roles, only small actors. A very, very huge cliche in the acting world. All it means is that it's the equivalent of, like, uh, you know, uh, a, a good a good tra tradesperson doesn't blame their tools. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like, look, do whatever you can with what's given to you. And I felt like Brad Pitt definitely owned that tiny scene that he had in that movie. Totally. I love that. I do remember him in that. I think I knew about him a bit before that. Like I heard about Thelma and Louise. I never saw that movie. You know, that's like another one of my pop culture blind spots. So we, in case people are keeping track, Top Gun, Big Lebowski. Oh, God, it Devil keeps getting Louise. worse. I've never seen those movies. Okay, somebody document these so we can just uh, 
tell Asif to go away to a to a chalet in the mountains one day and just watch them all so he can get caught up with the rest of society. Um, I don't have much, like, people look at me the same way when I say I haven't really watched Game of Thrones. So there's, you know, whatever. Yeah, we all, I guess we all and have our, I suppose I could be more understanding, but I don't want to be. And then there's your whole Breaking Bad. I mean, it's insane. Oh, no, but, but Breaking Bad, I watched season one and two. If you don't have me after season two, that's not on me. And then everyone goes, no, no, you have to stick with it. It got really good after three. I'm like, what do you want? I gave you time. I gave you my time. I gave you two seasons of my life. And I thought it was okay and just not compelling enough. Okay. And I that's... bet it gets amazing. But man, what do you... Okay. I, I did insane. my part. That's insane. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. So... <laughs> I hadn't really heard about him, but he got a lot of press. You know, he was this heartthrob uh, kind of uh, boy toy who meets up with Gina Davis's character in Thelma and Louise. So that was, uh, that's where I heard about him from. I saw him on like Entertainment Tonight and he was the next big actor. But then he did what I did not expect him to do. And that's why I liked him a lot. He was in California. Do you remember this movie, California? Man, unbelievable movie. He, that, that guy, like, he, he, that, that role, that character haunted me. Mm-hmm. For a while, his his like, he was so despicable, yeah, and yeah, evil. He was. he was it was it was so well done, phenomenal. Yeah. If you have not seen California with a K, David Duchovny is also in it. Juliette Lewis, obviously. Uh, please uh, don't don't leave that as one of your blind spots. That is early Brad Pitt showing his uh, brilliance. I think. And and then I also saw him in True Romance, so that's how I kind of uh, you know knew about him. And then he kind of. I don't know. He ended up doing uh, some movies where I thought he was just trying to become like a Hollywood milk toast kind of boring okay. leading man is, actor. I can't. And I, I can't listen. Probably to this. stopped. I stopped following his career. You know, for about ten years because he did stuff like uh, Interview with a Vampire, Legends of the Fall, A River Runs Through It, and I was just like not interested in that. That thing, I was just like, oh, whatever, who cares? So, what I are didn't you even really saying right movie. now? You need to start a blog that's called My Apology to Brad Pitt for all these ludicrous, unforgivable, uh, unforgivable. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a huge fan in case anyone's not picking up on that. Uh, dude, that's ridiculous. First of all, anyway, we're going to go through those movies one by one in, in, in just a minute, but I, I, I can't even believe what you're saying. Those are incredible choices. Those are incredible choices after, look. He was a boy toy in Gina, in, in, in Gina and Louise, in Sel, uh, Thelma and Louise. You got me all yeah. flustered. You're going to say Selma and Patty from yeah, uh, exactly. the Simpsons. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, um, I was going to say Gina and Sharon. Um, but he, he, he was, you know, he's meant to be shirtless, handsome and all that. But I feel like he took that and worked very hard to show people that, I'm also, I have some acting chops and in A River Runs Through It opposite uh, Tom Skerritt. He's the son of Tom Skerritt, 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 anyway, Skerritt, oh Skerritt. That, we've done that before. Uh, and then opposite, uh, opposite Anthony Hopkins in Legends of the Fall. He like mm-hmm. held his own opposite Sir Anthony Hopkins at a very, you know, young, tender age as far as, um, you know, his acting career goes. I don't know. You're, you're talking crazy, man. I don't like any of this. Well, I think we could talk a bit more about his career. I got a bit more into it when he started to do uh, when he started to do movies with David Fincher. So he did Seven, uh, Fight Club, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then he, you know, he, he started working more with the alternative kind of directors, Guy Ritchie, Steven Soderbergh, and mm-hmm. that's when I kind of started to get into him. 
uh, a bit more. I didn't really like, uh, what was it, Troy that he was in, where he plays Achilles. That wasn't really too... That was a pretty boring movie, I thought, and I thought I wasn't too impressed with him. And then his recent stuff in the past few years, including Moneyball, uh, he was a producer on 12 Years a Slave, and he had a small part of that. I don't know if you remember. He had a small part at the end of that movie. And, in fact, he's a big producer. I think it's Plan B Films, which is his production company, has made a lot of these big movies, Oscar-winning movies. He's been in some of them. A lot of them he's not been in. And so he has this whole life outside of just being this movie star as well, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And so it sounds like you only really got excited about Brad Pitt when he married Jennifer Aniston. Is that correct? That's the only time. Yeah, that actually, it is kind of true because I I watched him on Friends. He was on Friends. He played like a a person who used to like Jennifer Aniston's oh character, God, Rachel, I for a bit. He was okay, on an episode, yeah. and, uh, and it was funny because they're in love in real life and married, but in the show, he doesn't like her. And, <laughs> and then, of course, uh, in his personal life, there was the whole thing with he was in Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Angelina Jolie, which is a good movie. I, I did like that movie uh, where they played kind of these two spies who were married. Uh, but uh, the timing is a bit strange, but uh, or a bit unclear. But they did get together afterwards. Him and Angelina Jolie, and then he got divorced from Jennifer Aniston. The time course of all those things—it's a bit unclear. But uh, yeah, and then it's almost like for a while there, he was more famous for his personal life than for his acting. I think that's what I like most about Brad Pitt. Like he's in this world where it's inevitable that people will be chasing after the, you know, the juicy story of his life. But I feel like he sort of let people in a little bit. There's no, you're marrying Jennifer Aniston, you're marrying Angelina Jolie. Like people are going to be all, all over that. But um, I feel like he didn't give people a chance to pan his films, pan his acting, and then say, um, you know, he's nothing but a this, you know. Ken Doll or whatever you want yeah, to call him. Like, I really himbo. feel like Himbo, Mimbo, he rose above all that. And anybody who would be insulting his um, him or reducing him to just his looks, it's clearly somebody with some jealousy or some some other sort of issues with him because he worked very hard. He also works very hard on his body. That's what he does. I George Clooney was a, in an interview recently and he was talking about they were on a boat. They'd been filming one of the Ocean's Eleven uh, sequels. So... They're on this boat and there's some people on a nearby boat. And I don't know if it was paparazzi or some people. They wanted some pictures. They saw who was on the boat. So Brad Pitt gets up on the front of the boat and uh, he takes his shirt off and he, you know, it gives the people a show. And Matt Damon hops on the top and takes his shirt off, too. And George Clooney was like, no, no, Matt, because he's like, look, Matt, you know, when the. When the movies, um, what is the uh, born, the, you know, the born movies are happening, Matt will get into shape. But otherwise, he's a little bit doughy. This is George Clooney mm-hmm. speaking. And he goes, you know, you can take off your shirt. And t- but you don't take off your shirt in front of Brad. This is George Clooney saying, don't take your shirt off in front of Brad. So other equally handsome, talented, um, you know, uh, peers of his are commenting on his handsomeness, but also on his body and that, you know, he, he works on it. He's very serious about, you know, his body being a temple. I really like that. I really like the fact that you're mentioning Oklahoma. I don't know. Like, he's just like the son of, you know, these average sort of, uh, his, his mom was uh, worked in a school. His father, 
was a, was a, was a manager. Like there was no, no, no connection to the acting world. He made himself what he is. And so, um, I don't know when, when people come after Brad, it's wrong. That's all I can say. I agree. I don't think it's on this hard. I don't think it's all, you know, sunshine and roses. He had six kids with Angelina Jolie. A lot of them were already adopted by Angelina Jolie and then he adopted them. So they have three kids who were adopted from various places around the world, Cambodia, Vietnam, Ethiopia. And then he had twins and another child with Angelina Jolie. And you might remember in the news, maybe five or six years ago, there was a lot of issues between them and they got divorced, irreconcilable differences. And it's, I think, somewhat related to the fact that in 2016, Brad Pitt uh, became sober, got, got sober and joined Alcoholics Anonymous and attends those meetings. And I think, you know, substance abuse was an issue for him. He doesn't talk too much about it, hmm. but I, I think that probably had something to do if you read between the lines with a lot of the things that was going on with their family i think that it probably is so it's not all all sunshine and roses for him but certainly looks like it he's is, turned around it, his life. it's also you're reminding me also of um you know like the late night tv host and people be like so brad and angelina adopting another kid and trying to make jokes about it but it's like if not them, then who? You know, why not fam? Why not people like Madonna and and Brad and Angelina who have the means, who have the interest, who have the now? You know, there's these other arguments about like this is these kids are going from instead of like you know poverty in third world countries uh, to sort of middle class uh, Western world. They're going to a whole uh, now they're Brad and Angelina's kids. I mean, what do you want? You, you Would you rather they didn't adopt kids? Is that going to make you happy? I always found that, you know, the press and people whose job it is to make fun of people were always, always seemed like they were trying too hard and didn't really have much to say. And, and to, you know, to that point, him getting sober and fixing up his life got less attention than him adopting mm -hmm. kids. Neither of those two things are bad things. If you yeah. have the means and you're able, you know, yeah. especially getting sober. I mean, come on, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, I don't see these critics adopting children from uh, from orphanages in developing countries. So, no. you know, I, so, and, and I think people maybe sleep on his philanthropy sometimes. Uh, here's a couple examples I was found during our research: him and Clooney and Damon and Don Cheadle and David Pressman and Jerry Weintraub started what's called Not on Our Watch, which tries to focus attention on mass atrocities around the world. Mm. In 2006, he founded the Make It Right Foundation after the flooding in New Orleans to uh, finance and construct affordable houses in the Ninth Ward there. And before their divorce, in 2006, I believe, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie established an organization called the Jolie Pitt Foundation that is supposed to aid humanitarian causes around the world. So... You know, some people just attach them to one thing, but he's been involved in so many different things and trying to do things on a local and a global scale. I think he doesn't sometimes get the credit he deserves. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, this guy is like truly one of the best. Okay, so then let's do this. We're going to each say our top three performances. So we're not saying the actual film he was in, but our top three favorite performances 
from Brad Pitt. And, you know, you can talk a bit about the, the actual movie it was, but uh, uh, we can go in whatever order you want. Why don't you go first and pick, pick one of them? Well, I already spoiled it. Uh, more accurately, you spoiled it by, uh, mm. by mm. saying, you know, by mentioning this film in a pejorative uh, way. But A River Runs Through It, you know, I always love, like I, I've talked at length about a book called The Break, and The Break is written by Katharina Vermette, fantastic um, Canadian author. And the reason I love The Break is not just because it's a beautifully written, highly visual, compelling novel, but also because it is completely different from my entire life. It's about three generations of indigenous women living in the north end of Winnipeg. That's basically what it is. My, there's no Pakistani, French speaking, you know, uh, <laughs> you know there's nothing. There's nothing yeah. chef background, nothing that is me is represented in that book. And I love that book so much. And for me, that's, that's true art because some, you know, you hear that a lot where people are like, well, I didn't feel like I was represented in that art, but you know, as many have said, it's, it's art. It's not a mirror. You know what I mean? It's not, you're not mm -hmm. supposed to be looking at yourself. It's somebody else creating something that's compelling enough for you to be interested in. And absolutely, I love stuff that a South Asian story that I can connect to, but it doesn't always have to be that. And this movie, I mean, uh, I don't know if you know this, Asif, but uh, I don't know a goddamn thing about fly fishing. And these two brothers, <laughs> uh, played by um, Brad Pitt and, uh, and Craig Sheffer, are the sons of Tom Skerritt. He plays a reverend. And, um, you know, you see them as children, Craig Sheffer, his goal is to be a reverend one day. They're in the 1920s, Montana, I believe. And his goal is one day grow up. What do you want to be where you grow up? You know, uh, probably just be a reverend or a pastor. And, uh, Brad Pitt wants to be a flyer fisherman. So it's like this pretty, you know, reserved conservative brother and this more rebellious brother. And, um, I don't know how to explain what I think. Also, I connected with Brad Pitt, my, my particular, you know, hot streak of going out drinking and, and staying up late and doing my best to be at on time for work or dinner or other commitments. Uh, you know, that was all like, like a constant juggling act and watching him do this juggling act and showing up to breakfast with this twinkle in his eye and, and bloodshot red eyeballs. And um, I just thought he played it so well. It's beautifully done. It's directed by Ro Robert Redford. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's a reason to watch it without Brad Pitt in it. But I really found that Brad Pitt, and I thought it was such an interesting role to take, right? You, you are in a place where you've just done Thelma and Louise, you know, there's opportunities coming your way. 1920s rural Montana fly fishing. This is not going to be a box office hit. And yet you're like, I'd like to do this. I'd like to do this. He would have had to learn fly fishing. He would have had to learn a bunch of things. And he would have, you know, I mean, maybe not. Maybe in Oklahoma they have fly fishing. I don't know. I, I, I found it such a, a a beautiful movie, a deeply beautiful, also, you know, a painful thing to, to watch. Uh, I think that's what I'm attracted to, beauty and pain at the same time somehow. Um, but I recommend that movie for anybody, um, Brad Pitt fan or not. Well... I haven't seen it. Will I see it? Maybe if I'm locked in that chalet. Yeah. It, it sounds like it. what I'm saying going to be locked it. there. It's, it's more like a, some sort of horror movie type thing. But I'll give you my pick. Uh, it's 12 Monkeys. So 12 Monkeys, 1990. 
five film directed by Terry Gilliam. Terry, Terry Gilliam, again, he's such a genius when it comes to directing, doesn't make enough movies. Uh, and this movie, people who haven't seen it, it involves a plague that occurs uh, in the world. And Bruce Willis plays a person who travels back in time in an attempt to kind of stop the plague. It's a bit unclear is exactly what his mission is and what's going to happen when he does this. It's so well done. Great science fiction movie. And Brad Pitt was nominated for best supporting actor. His first nomination was for this movie. He plays this person who uh, Bruce Willis meets in an asylum that he gets kind of put into after he travels back in time. And the character is so eccentric, so unusual. I just thought it was such a winning performance for Brad Pitt. Totally. And it's what I watch it. I'm like, okay, this guy knows how to act. He's not just a pretty face. This guy is an actor. Right. And, but look at what year that was. That was the year where you were like dismissing him for being a pretty boy. You should slap yeah. yourself right now. Um, what was it? Was it the same year? Well, it's he those was, early days where he was making okay. those, you know, 1994 was Legends of the Fall. 95 was seven. Amazing. 95 was 12 monkeys. You'd, you'd written him off. Okay. Is... I wouldn't, I, maybe I, read, I wrote him off for too long. A couple years though, I wrote him off for. He won a Golden Globe for best performance by, a, by an actor in a supporting role mm. for, for 12 monkeys. Well-deserved, phenomenal movie. And by the way, when I say I have a top three for Brad Pitt, I have a top 12 and for oh, the yeah. sake of me, this me, exercise, me too, I'm, me too. Yeah. But I just, you know, we can't have this podcast go on 12 hours. So what's your next one? <laughs> the Brad Pitt podcast. I'm into it. If anybody wants to co-host that, I'm here and Pit available. Pod. I will make myself available. Brad Pod. Um, next one is Legends of the Fall. You also slagged it mm-hmm. off. I don't know if that's the right usage of the word slag, but... Um, Again, early 1900s. Again, Montana. Three brothers instead of two. Um, again, so unbelievably beautiful. And you know they are sent off to war, these brothers, and the way the father... What that father has to do to, 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 to see his sons be the patriot that he is. It involves fighting for your country, and if it involves them dying, then so be it. I don't know, man. I wasn't even close to being a father. I mean, the, the writing on the wall at that point was that I would never be a father. But I loved Anthony Hopkins' performance, and, and Brad Pitt stood stood tall right beside him and really, really did something phenomenal in this movie. Again, very painful, but but beautiful, beautiful, beautiful movie. Right out of the gate of the three brothers, one of them um, dies. I think you know that's probably in the description of the movie. One of them, he's, he's killed in World War One, and, and uh, I, I don't know. It, it's it's amazing. First of all, the, the choreography is absolutely incredible as well, if you're into choreography, and then the acting, and then the story. Really, really, really something. You know, it's a, based on a book, I believe, and turned into a screenplay, but just, a, you know, just a small cast. Canadian trivia, uh, Tantu Cardinal, also in that movie. That was the first time I saw her. Fantastic. And um, yeah, really, really, really well done. Legends of Fall, Asif. Add that to your cottage. Um, Imprisonment list. Get away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, that's right. Uh, it's going to be like Misery, the movie. <laughs> Could be like Shackled to a Bed. Yeah, exactly. Um, Edward Zwick, who directed it, by the way. Golden Globe nomination for Legends of yeah, the Fall. Yeah, I say that not for others. I think other people understand Brad Pitt 
is good. I'm saying that you for try you to convince me to put Listen. that on the list so that when we do shackle you, you watch. Ed's Wick right is a great director. Uh, directed Glory, I believe, and Last Glory, Samurai. So good, yeah. You know, so don't get me wrong. But one thing also I haven't quite told you before, Ali, is that I don't like period pieces. So anything that I doesn't... hate period pieces. Oh, so there you go. These are both I period hate, pieces. No, but I hate. Why are you I hate. I'm not going to watch Victorian. Them? I hate Victorian era. Oh sure. Pieces. No, I mean anything that doesn't take place in the current day or the future, or an alternate timeline. I don't usually like. So really? That's yeah, it's a that, hard. But, time so, but you like a future period. You don't oh, mind future, future period. Yeah, well, it hasn't happened yet, so you know. It's speculative, yeah. but uh, yeah, future period is fine. And I don't like, I don't mind fantasy if it's like, like we said, Game of Thrones or, you know, dragons and stuff. But uh, hey, yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned um, 12 Monkeys and it like, I think for a little while that was like my favorite science fiction film. And I think there's, there is a subgenre describing what the 12 Monkeys, I don't know exactly what you'd call it, but it was, I really, really liked it. Until Children of Men, oh yeah, came along, yeah, yeah. and then post-apocalyptic really kind of, uh, and, exactly. and of course, Twelve Monkeys has the time travel as well. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I'll give you my next one. My next one we talked about before is Snatch. So this is Guy Ritchie's second movie. Uh, he made Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, huge hit, that kind of gangster British style movie, and then Snatch was in it. And I remember when. Brad Pitt was cast. People are like, "What? What is he doing in this movie?" And he has a pretty small role as well. And he plays this um, Irish traveler. I think they're called Pikeys, but I'm trying, and that may be a derogatory term. <laughs> I don't actually know, but they <laughs> say it all the time. And and it's so hard to understand, even in general, the the travelers in the movie because they have a very strong accent. But then his accent is just crazy. It's like you can't understand a word he says in the movie, and neither can other people in the movie. It, it was so funny and so well done. I thought it was great. It's so well done, man. It's really one of my top ten movies of all time. I, uh, You know, funny thing, I thought just commenting on how you can't understand him um, – I didn't understand something, but it wasn't him talking, but they had to go see his group of people to buy a caravan, right? right yeah. Periwinkle yeah. Blue. Caravan. Oh, a caravan. Periwinkle Blue. They had to go buy some caravan from him. And uh, I don't know who one of one of the actors, it's either Jason Statham. I think it is Jason Statham says, I hate parkies. Yeah. yeah. And I thought he said Packies the entire time. And I'm like, what is you this? You know what? I what did too. And I was film. like, what? Yeah. what are they? But these guys all look white. I was like, who are? Anyway, I, 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 but it was it's such a fun movie and such a fun performance. I loved it. It's really like, if you haven't seen Snatch, it's to be seen. I, uh, I have a friend named Faisal who knew every single word that Brad Pitt said in that movie. I go, dude, how? And he finally told me after letting me be like just, you know, unbelievably impressed. He goes, actually, man, I used to work at a bookstore. He worked at, uh, we have a big chain in Canada called Chapters. He worked at a Chapters and the the screenplay was for sale. It was like a book. So he would, uh, instead of working, hide in some little chair in some corner and just read screenplays. And he read Snatch over wow. and over again. So he just, he was the one guy who knew every single thing that was said. And he also has like an incredible memory. So he was, anything you say, he was ready to counter with a Brad Pitt line from that film. And you really don't understand 
uh, most of what's happening there. So because you've said Snatch, and even though I, I did uh, love that movie, uh, possibly my Brad Pitt favorite, I will say um, I will say Fight Club. Mm-hmm. I would say Fight Club, even though, like I said, there's five others could go that could go right in its place. But uh, Fight Club, first of all, it's in the spirit of like memento. It was like a mind bending thing. Um, and Edward Norton obviously deserves a huge amount of respect for this film. But uh, Fight Club was so well done. And it's like, um, well, it reminded me of Snatch a little bit. The sacrifice on his body, like, yeah, he's ripped and he's cut, but he's using it for something far, far beyond pretty boy and just the looks, right? It was his body and the shape he was in service this role in the, in the most un- amazing way. And um, yeah, man, this guy was, he was just phenomenal in this role. And then to find out, well, I guess, should I not ruin? No, we, People yeah, had maybe don't ruin it, but there's a me. twist. Of the, and then this 20-year-old Come movie. on, man. This <laughs> is a 20-year-old movie. What are we doing here? Anyway, I like that. You still have one other one to pick yeah, in our yeah, top yeah, three. Yeah, so my one, and again, as you said, there's so many to pick from lots of good movies he's been in. I really like Moneyball uh, that, that he was in. That was a great movie. And he's in The Big Short. So... Lots of those ones, but I think the one that he actually just won the Best Supporting Actor for a few years ago was 2019's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's mm. movie. I love that movie. Uh, it was definitely one of my favorites, if not my favorite movie that came out that year. I just thought the storyline was so good. And his performance, right? He plays off Leonardo DiCaprio so well. Leonardo DiCaprio is this actor who's kind of, kind of falling on hard times, and... Brad Pitt is his stuntman, Cliff Booth, and he and he actually the stuntman has him more together, and just the way he exudes this California laid back character, and some of the fight scenes he does. I won't ruin some of the fight scenes he's with, but he fights against a very famous martial artist in that movie, and then of mm. course the whole ending of the movie again. I won't ruin it, but it has to do with the Manson family murders and the things don't go as you think that they will, uh, based on history. I just. It's he's so good. He plays the role so well, and just the little things. He ends up going to this compound with these kind of weird hippies, and just the way he acts when he's going through that, and the confidence and the swagger. This is what I think. Maybe again, in my mind, this is what he was kind of going for when he was younger. But now he's older. He has the experience, and he really fulfills that kind of movie star, good looks role. I don't know. I just. I just thought it was it was perfect. Totally deserved the uh, Oscar for that. So did DiCaprio, but he lost out that year. But uh, definitely, I think it's probably my favorite performance from him. Yeah, it's hard to extract all the pieces of this film also. Like, it's really, you know, some of the best of Tarantino in my mind. I think DiCaprio is so, so good in this also. He really does a good job. And you watch the two of them, right? The stuntman lives in a trailer and uh, has the companionship of a dog who he feeds out of, like, you know, canned dog, canned dog food. And Leo has a beautiful home, as a, as a star does. And just the two of them really embrace that role so well. I, I really thought it was great. I don't know if I told the story on this podcast, but I was about to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then I watched that movie um, about uh, the Bruce Springsteen fan. I can't remember the uh, name now. Blinded by the Light. 
blinded by the light, I watch a second time on the plane instead of watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So sometimes, you know, you do pick those stories that you have a connection mm. with, you know, British Pakistani family and the kid just wanted to be, you know, blend in, be heard and just celebrate the boss. So I delayed a little bit. And when I watched Once Upon a Time, I was like, oh, probably shouldn't have delayed this. This is a pretty phenomenal film. But sometimes you're just in the mood for diversity and sometimes you're not. You know, what are you going to do? But really terrific job. And again, I mean, he would have been 55, 54 at the time filming yeah. that. And he is in just phenomenal shape. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to transition out of that, uh, Ali, uh, drooling. No, no, over. no. You don't, you're not supposed to transition. You're supposed to take a minute and soak in the image of Brad Pitt's body. I encourage everybody to do that. Whatever your background Whatever your preference, that's he's an Adonis for God's sake. You know, uh, I was listening to David Spade on a podcast talking about, you know, some of these hosts for SNL would come in and sometimes you'd be like, ah, oh, what a, what a boner, you know, like just the guy who was at the right place, right time, I guess. And then some guys would come in and you're like, oh, he just has it. So he said that the first time he met Alec Baldwin, he goes in the room and meets and Alec Baldwin is like. You know, these blue-green Irish eyes and his hair is perfect and his voice like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, this is a stud. Oh, my God, this man, he's just <laughs> yeah. got it. He has it, you know? I feel that way about uh, Brad Pitt, who I've not met in person, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure I would just be like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're something special, kid. Kid, I'd call him kid. You think he'd like but that? But the question, Ali, is if you had met him in person, would he remember your face the next time he saw you? Absolutely flawless transition into the next part of our discussion. Asif, good for you, buddy. Um, so recently, and on purpose, I didn't look this up too much, even though it's about Brad, and I want to give him the... Um, you know, after everything he's given me and us, mm -hmm. society, mm -hmm. I want to give him the respect. And, and I, I hope that this is as real as he thinks it is. And it's not something that's being poo-pooed by the medical industry, but that's what we're going to discuss. So he talked about this problem he has, and he's the second person actor also, the first person I'll mention in just a bit. He's the second person I know who has talked about having this, uh, what is referred to as a facial blindness prosopagnosia. Now, I think the interesting thing about this discussion is that I, I think it's one of those things where a lot of people will hear a vague definition of it and be like, oh yeah, I think I might have that. So I really wanted some clarity around what it is and uh, how people might have it, how they would know they don't have it. And that's how sometimes, you know, when it comes to names, and I wanted to get into that too, people have a terrible memory for names. I often say, like, yeah, it's probably just laziness. Totally. And so can facial blindness uh, also be associated with that? So let's yeah. go and just talk about what the definition of prosopagnosia is. And am I even pronouncing it properly? Yeah, it's pretty good pronunciation. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, the Let's start off with talking about agnosia first. So agnosia is, is a kind of a broader term, which means the inability to process any sensory information. So difficulty recognizing objects or people or faces or sounds or smells, 
Oh God, that is a condition. But yeah, the, the, so agnosia it could be. It just means you have a problem with any one of those sensory things. It's kind of like the umbrella term. You have an agnosia. Ah, what kind it. of okay. agnosia? Oh, you have prosopagnosia, right? Because agnosia is got part it. of it. Uh, agnosia means uh, not knowing. The a in Greek is for not. The nosia is no, so not knowing, and. The specific one we're talking about is prosopagnosia, which is, uh, and proso me, prosop means face in, in Greek. So that's how we get the name. But the key with any of these agnosias, and, and including prosopagnosia, is it can't be due to a problem with the sense. So in other words, oh, I had COVID, I can't smell. That's not the issue. Your olfactory, which is our, our, our nose, the olfactory system works fine. It's just that when it gets to your brain, you cannot interpret that smell. So there's a problem in your brain. But the other thing that you need to have is it can't be a problem with your memory, right? And that's what you were getting at with people who just don't pay attention. I'm bad with names too, but it's because when someone's introducing me uh, or themselves to me, I should say, I'm not thinking about their name. I'm thinking about, okay, who's this person? How are they related? Oh, they know uh, my friend, uh, Jimmy Bob. Okay. Yeah. So they know Jimmy Bob and I'm like, and then you're like, oh, what was their name? And that's why people who remember people's names, often they repeat the person's name three times to themselves or they write it down when they get home. And you know what has been interesting uh, over the last few years with the increase of, of Zoom meetings and Zoom things, I found that people's ability to remember people has gotten a little stronger. Why? Because you see them and you see their name exactly. in the corner when you hover over their name. And so you have that, you're, you're being reminded. Also, when you meet somebody in person, I find... There's so many other things going on. Like, oh, wow, they have pretty strong handshake. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, that's a weird green color I've never seen before in a T-shirt. Oh, what well, you know, you're like picking up all of these different things and the name is just one of those things. So it really, it's, it's about the hard work of remembering the name. I don't know if hard work can help this particular well, uh, condition. Yeah, it is tough. And well, we'll talk about that a bit more when it comes to treatment. So basically, prosopagnosia means people cannot recognize a faith that they have encountered before. So even people who are well-known, people who are recently encountered, doesn't matter, they can't recognize that. That's the actual problem. And again, not problem with your vision or with your memory or anything like that. And Okay, but where's the line? Because Brad Pitt is not, not recognizing his children or his wife. But people, and, and what, like, if let's say it's a friend he sees every month, like, would he not recognize Tarantino's face? Does he have to be reintroduced? Or is it people who he's sort of more vaguely? No, it's supposed to be everybody, first of all. Really? Yeah, and second of all, I don't know. I'm not his doctor. I, I, so who knows what Brad Pitt, and, and Brad Pitt has said on the record that he has not been formally diagnosed by a physician. He just has done some reading and thinks that's what he has. But I'll, I'll tell you a bit, uh, some info in a bit that, may make you realize it's not quite as uncommon as we might believe. But in terms of the degree, I honestly don't know for him. But I'll, I'll tell you a bit more about it, and you can see why some people have picked up some tricks and how to deal with it, people who do suffer from it. Mm -hmm. So it was, if you look at the medical literature, it was actually described like over 150 years ago. But really there was a study in 1947 by a guy named Joachim Bodemer, who was a German neurologist, and he described several cases who had traumatic injury. I think they were all in the war, uh, World War II. And so th the main case was a 24-year-old who had a bullet wound to the head, and then afterwards he couldn't recognize his friends or his family or even his own face in a mirror. 
Like if you looked in a mirror, he'd be like, I don't know who that yeah. is. And it was not amnesia. Correct. Everything else Correct. was in place. He could remember all kinds of yes. things. And okay. And so this is, they also described how he kind of used different clues. And, and we'll get to this as we talk more and more about it. So he could figure out who people were using auditory clues, tactile cues, or other visual stimulation. So the way they walked, uh, their physical mannerisms, that's how he figured out who people were. And does Brad Pitt do that or not? I don't know. Maybe he's just gotten really good at it for, you know, living on this earth for 58 years and having it. But that was, so this acquired form is from things like injuries, like traumatic brain injury, like a bullet to the brain, but it can be from stroke, tumors, uh, if you had surgery uh, on some of these delicate areas that, that control facial recognition. So those are all so these seem to be all external triggers. It's not something people are born with. We'll get to that. Seen... So remember I said there's oh, acquired. Okay, 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 okay. And so there's two types, acquired and developmental. So uh, we're talking about the acquired. Uh, By the way, I just got to give a, a shout out to my uh, hero, Oliver Sacks, the famous neurologist. In his 1985 book, The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, the person who's part of that title is a person named Dr. P. That's the pseudonym he uses. And Dr. P had prosopagnosia couldn't recognize his wife couldn't recognize his friends but again he could pick out certain features sometimes that would give him a clue oh yeah my buddy has really huge teeth so i can i know that's him but i can't put it all together and mm. it's interesting the way that Sachs and other people have talked about the prosopagnosia and a, there's been a lot of science behind this so basically a face has a layout right eyes are located above a nose and the nose is above the mouth Right? And you can in individually pick out the different pieces. And that's what Dr. P was able to do. I can pick out just the mouth and I know who that is. But you need to have a holistic view. I'm looking at your face, Ali, right now through Zoom. And I can see I put it all together. Slight feeling of nausea is normal. And I, Ooh. and I, but I put it all together. So it's that holistic thing of putting all your eyes, nose, mouth, head together and saying, oh, that's Ali Hassan, childhood friend, co host of doctor versus comedian but they can't do that so it's this holistic thing that they have a problem with and like i said you you can use different clues but then the problem is they use hairstyle right but as you know people change their hairstyle then they can't figure it out uh and not me and, and same hairstyle since the age of 22 <laughs> helping the pro prosopagnosians patients <laughs> yeah uh, and you know it is awkward as you said some of these people who have severe prosopagnosia cannot recognize their children their siblings their spouses by their face oh. becomes an issue and by the way steve two stevens have this apparently steve wozniak you know steve wozniak co-founder of apple apple yeah. Yeah. And Stephen Fry, the actor and uh, comedian, you know, hilarious. They both apparently have yeah. it. I interviewed him. No kidding. No, really? Oh, oh, there you go. I was hoping he would uh, recognize me the next time. Now, well, now you him. know when he and doesn't, he... it's not actually your yeah. fault. <laughs> you, so you might be wondering, like, w what areas of the brain are involved? Because we, we said tr trauma from, like, a bullet. You know, I was wondering that. Uh, and so, obviously, it's complicated, but usually these are lesions of the temporal or occipital lobe so the temporal lobe is the area underneath our temples and the occipital lobe is the back part of the brain so that kind of where those two meet is where the lesions often occur and it's a special gyrus so gyri 
uh, are the foldings of our brain, right? That we see uh, on pictures and stuff like that. So there's one called the fusiform gyrus, and we think that's what causes it. And it's very unusual because you can have, if you have bilateral lesions of this area, so both sides involved, uh, you can get prosopagnosia, but even just one side on the right, you can also get prosopagnosia. Very unusual if you just have this area involved on the left to have it. And interestingly, there's other vision kind of sensing areas around this fusiform gyrus. So you can have other problems as well. And there's what's called a classic tetrad, so four things that we often see uh, with prosopagnosia. So you can see, in addition to prosopagnosia, that's one of the things, you can see visual field de deficits, dyschromatopsia, and topographic disorientation. A visual field deficit is just a cut in your vision. And so they have uh, on the opposite side of the lesion, on the top part, you know, towards the sky, basically, they'll have just a cut in their vision. But they also have dyschromatopsia. So they have difficulty discriminating colors and colors kind of all kind of blend together. They don't have just black and white vision, though that is a possibility that you can get with brain injury as well, where your vision just turns black and white, which is very crazy that that can happen, but it has been mm. described. Uh, but interestingly, they have topographic disorientation. So just like they can't place a face as something familiar, they can't place their surroundings as something familiar. So even if it's a place that you've lived your whole life in your house, you get lost in your own house and in your own Okay, so I think this separates the haves and the haves not here. As I was saying, there might be people who might say, oh, I think I might have that. It's not an I think. You you kind of know, right? You you would know when you have this. This is not a thing that other people are going through. This is very unique, and you're forgetting the face of people close to you. And then you were going to get to the developmental. Yes, well, that you segued perfectly I, because. Yes. So yes, I think if you have the acquired one, you know, you've had a brain injury, you've had a bullet in your brain, you've had a stroke. We in neurology can figure that out, and we'll, we'll help to piece that together using the various tests that we do. But the developmental one is very interesting, and there may be more shades of gray in that one. So that's been more recently described. So basically, these are people who fail to develop this facial recognition you know, after birth and as they're growing up. And when you do imaging on them, there's no obvious problem. They don't have a huge brain tumor in that area. They just don't have it. So that's a very interesting thing. And so it's probably underdiagnosed because people just kind of learn to live with it. And is it milder or not? I, I mean, I'm not sure we quite know that. It's probably different a bit, but it is very interesting. You said at the beginning, it's not as uncommon as people might think. So what are we what are we talking about in the population? How common is it? So yeah, there was a really interesting study that was done in Germany as well. A lot of German stuff going on today. Uh, and uh, we didn't talk about Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious we, we Bastards, missed, We missed yes. that one for Germany. So basically what they did is they did a questionnaire screening in a bunch of secondary schools. And people who did the screening questionnaire, there were some people who were suspicious that they may have prosopagnosia. So then they brought them in and did some interviews and testing on them and their first-degree relatives. And they found out of their sample, about 17 people who they were able to formally diagnose just on this sample of about 700 people, prosopagnosia, which equated to about a prevalence rate of 2.5% or so. So that's about one in 50 people in, in, in the very small area, this one area in Germany, 
that they were able to find. And a lot of people had a family history of it. So they checked their family members and they also had it. So it's presumed to be genetic in these people. And one in 50 is a huge amount. And that's what you'll see quoted a lot is this one in 50 frequency. So probably way more common than, than we think. Okay. Because Brad Pitt did say that, you know, uh, he, uh, he feels like, you know, he doesn't meet other people. Like, like nobody believes him that this is something he, he believes he has and he wants to meet another person with this condition. I guess he doesn't have to look that far. Yeah, I know. He should the go to Germany, there. obviously. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's maybe there for filming a few years back, but uh, I'm not sure. That could have been on a Paramount lot or something as well. You know, we, we talked about borderline personality disorder in a recent episode and how there are those support groups and chat rooms online for people who are, you know, married to somebody going through it. You must have the same type of thing here, particularly for the people going through it. This has got to be very difficult. How do you live, you know, a quote unquote normal life? How do you go through your uh, your, your day-to-day business having something that is so unique and something that nobody else is accounting for? Yeah, it's difficult. And I, I think it's being more and more recognized. So hopefully there'll be more things put in place for people like this. But you can imagine the impact on your daily life. You know, at school, children can have difficulty recognizing their teachers and friends. Adults may choose to not have a lot of face-to-face contact with their friends and maybe work from home. Like these would be the people who initially would not want to work in an office. And you can imagine if you, worse than working in an office, what if you worked in a place where everybody dressed the same, like a police department, where everybody has to wear the same uniform or McDonald's or something like that. Then you can't even use the clothing cues to figure it out. So that would be really difficult. And some of the people don't even want to watch TV because or movies because you can't keep track of who's who, right? Like these, oh my gosh. you can't remember them from one scene to another. Just And there is some evidence that suggests that people with this become anxious or depressed because of the social isolation. And they don't want to go out. And they don't want to see their family members because they're afraid that they're not going to address them properly. So it, it really is something that probably needs more recognition. And if you do have a diagnosis of this to like really help people and support them through it. On that note, help and support, what is the treatment for this? Yeah, it's tough. There are some studies that look at doing kind of a rehab, like a visual rehab and things like that, but there's not not really a lot. I think it's mainly, and we'll see, because this literature, especially by the developmental form, is still very new. The acquired form we've known about in neurology, as I said, for hundreds of years, but this is, is still new. So it's more giving people tricks and tips on how to modify their lives in order to help overcome it. But there's not a lot out there, honestly. So somebody tells you that they believe they have it. What is the first step? Where do you direct? Yeah, that's a really good question. They can be referred to a neurologist. They probably should. There are some cognitive neurologists who can do specialized testing like that. There's also some tests that can be used either by a neurologist or what's called a neuropsychologist. There's the Cambridge face memory test. There's also another one from Cambridge was a face perception test and it can kind of differentiate the different forms of it and the, maybe the severity or extent of it. So if people are worried about it, definitely seeing a neurologist or what's called a neuropsychologist to get some of this testing done. It's very interesting, you know, in, in our listenership, if there's anybody who has dealt with this or knows somebody who has uh, prosopagnosia, we'd love to hear from you. 
if you don't like Brad Pitt, I would not like to hear from you. I think that's just uh, that's uncalled for. But uh, I really would like to know, you know, how people make because what Brad Pitt has said is 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 slightly vague. It's not diagnosed yet, and um, you know, this guy is obviously you know part of Hollywood, so he's got people wondering why they don't recognize him, and they, he's he's he said that you know uh, people think he's aloof inaccessible, self-absorbed. And so the, the problem there, of course, is that's how people describe a lot of people in Hollywood, mm-hmm. right? So you just sort of blend into yeah. your industry uh, based on the stereotype of, of Hollywood and the coastal elites and these you know, rich actors and all that. Uh, but it seems like Brad Pitt wants to be a better person and can't be. But yeah, if you have personal experience with this, we'd, uh, we'd love to hear from you. That's the show. Yeah. Hopefully you guys found this interesting. Let us know what you guys think. Like I said, reach out to us, drvcomedian, gmail.com, drvcomedian on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. Let us know. Let us know about uh, Brad Pitt. Let us know about prosopagnosia. Do you have it? Do you know someone who has it? Uh, And uh, maybe we could talk about some of the other types of agnosia, some of those interesting other diagnoses that are in Oliver Sacks' books we can talk about. Uh, Ali, anything to and uh, be a pal, be a pal, and give us a nice rating. Yeah. Give us a nice we'll rating. I like stars. the nice five ratings. Stars. We get, uh, we get. A, yeah, exactly. Let's not leave it vague. Well, two's nice. No, five. Five is the nice one. Uh, anything to promote my book? You know, and my face is on the cover, so nobody will ever have an issue remembering what my face looks mm-hmm, like compared mm-hmm, to. Mm-hmm. Uh, me as a person, as I said, I'm not changing anything. Sometimes grow the facial hair. Not that often, though. Is There Bacon in Heaven is the name of the book. It's out with Simon & Schuster at the end of September, but you can pre-order it now uh, via Indigo Chapters, uh, Amazon, all, all uh, many, many bookstores should have uh, access to it. And, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, you can even get it from, uh, from a local Smaller bookstore, if that's where you shop, should be a good time. I've gotten a couple of couple of people I know have read it. A couple of people who's uh, who who read for a living, and um, and they felt really good about what they read, and it made me feel really good too. Took all the stress off. That's Took great. Exactly. Off. It's all yeah. good now. Yeah. But listen, remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor, and as we talked about, not Brad Pitt's doctor. Medical issues, we talk about it for your interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.